this morning to be a little bit light in attendance, but it's actually pretty decent. But um, the next service I'm a little nervous about because it's going to be pretty darn full, right? Because all the people sleeping in because they're not as responsible as you to set the clock. But, but, um, but no, um, um, I just want to take one second and kind of celebrate Jesus. Um, man, this has been a week where what the enemy tried to do and what the enemy tried to cause for evil, God has turned for good. I'm just telling you, it's been a week like that, amen? Sam Croker, he's about my age, going through lung cancer. I mean, he runs 10Ks, and more than that at times, but I mean, he just ran a 10K a few weeks ago. And um, Sam Croker went in, they removed a part of his up, no, he removed all the upper lobe, middle lobe, and a part of the top of his right lobe. And, um, and so that took place. They were worried that his cancer had grown into the chest wall, but it came off super clean, praise the Lord. And what's amazing is already they're showing that the, the little lobe that he has underneath here is starting to fill the gap. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Something's supposed to take weeks and months to God's starting to already do in his life. And that's awesome. Just so thankful for what the Lord's done in Sam Croker. And, and another thing, we had a couple this week who, man, I'm telling you, how many knows marriages are difficult? Yeah. Amen? And we had a couple this week who had had, um, had a difficulty after the end of a first year of marriage and said, we're done. We, we're out of this. And Quit on it, you know, and divorce papers signed, done, three months ago. And this week in one of our journey groups, that couple recommitted their marriage to the Lord and were remarried at journey group. What in the world? Come on, somebody. What the enemy means for evil, God turns for good. And I'm just so thankful to be in a house where we still believe in miracles. Shout somebody, amen? Amen, amen. This morning, we're starting a new series. It, it kind of flows out of last week's series, but or service, but really, it's a new series, and I really thought I could get it done in four weeks, and there's just no way. This week, as I was working and finishing up this week's talk, I'm like, man, there's just too much. And so we were turned into a five-week series, so we'll finish on Palm Sunday. We always have a beautiful communion service on Palm Sunday, and actually, it'll dovetail really nicely with that last sermon in the series. And so this week, this today, we can breathe a little. Amen. How many senior preacher before try to go through a whole lot of stuff? And I, whoo, come on. Yeah, so I just want to feed us, right? I want the Lord to use the word to sow into us. And so, but this week I'm like, there's just too much. And so thankful for, um, for Palm Sunday that we can use that day. But, but let me throw this out. I'm going to put this on the screen. Our success is accomplished when we move from where we are to where God wants us to be. And we take others with us on that journey. That's that is really, for the Christian believer, it's about two things, really. It's going from where you are to where God wants you, okay? And then not going alone, but taking folks with you. That's, that's about as elementary as it gets. And here's the thing about it. The reason why it's so important is because you need a story of hope. God is working something out in your life so that the history that you have can become a history of hope, not a history of brokenness and not a, a history of demise and not a history of defeat. But God can begin to do a work in you and move you from where you are to where he desires for you to be. And in the process of doing that, you find hope. But as we do that, guess what? We become hope dispensers, right? I've often thought, I wish I could find a Jesus Pez dispenser. That's ridiculous. But I think it would be the coolest thing to give you guys, <laughs> just so you'd have Jesus Pez dispensers. Wherever you go, here, man, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. 
Can somebody look and see if we can find Jesus Pez dispensers somewhere? I mean, somebody. I, I, but, but no, we're hope dispensers. That's who we are. And so God's working his hope out in us, and everyone needs that story of hope. But as I told you last week, every story of hope has an ish habenayim. Have, did anybody say that this week to themselves? I'm going to be the ish habenayim to the people in my life. And, and for those that weren't with us last week, that was not tongues, okay? Ishabinayim, it means one who stands in the gap. And the thing about that is Christians, it is our place to be a part of helping people find their story of hope. I told you last week that there are people that you come in contact with every day, whether they're a believer or not, there's elements of their life that need an injection of hope. And you're a hope dispenser, okay? So there's elements of their life that needs the word and the gospel to come to life with them. And here's the problem, okay? I'm not saying God doesn't come to them because God does, but you got God here with all that God has. And he's wanting to flow that into the lives of these people. But listen, God does not move as an embodied spirit, disembodied spirit. We don't have a zombie Jesus, okay? No, he moves through a living, active body called what? Church. Yeah, through you. And through me, and that's the problem. He moves through me, and I'm flawed. And there's times where I don't want to get off my agenda. I don't want to get off my calendar. There's times where I want to do what I want to do. Right, Miss Barbara? You know? But God has something he wants to flow through us into the lives of others. And the problem is if we won't let him flow it through us, he'll stop flowing it to us. All right? Grace is just that way. It comes, and we allow it to be extended, and his touch in our lives, we extend it. And, and that's really what this whole season of our church is about right now. These next five weeks leading up to Easter, and even the first few weeks after Easter, they're weeks designed to get us ready for life change in people's lives. And, and what will happen is God will work with us first. So every week of this series, you're going to see a working in us, and then us working in the lives of others, right? And that's how it probably should be. Lord, fill me. And out of that filling, out of that filling, there would be an overflow that, Lord, you could use to touch others, right? And so there's a responsibility on our part to be filled, to open ourselves to the things of God, that God might move in us and through us to touch others' lives. And, and so that's, that's who the church is. And, and the reason why it's so important is because I told you last week, we don't want to just be a church in Woodstock, all right? We want to be a church to Woodstock. Amen? We don't want to just be a church that's in Kennesaw or Ackworth or Canton or, no, no, we want to be a church to the surrounding area. And that's a whole different thing. That, that's not a passive, y'all come. No, no, that, that's God. When I'm out, use me, speak through me. Allow the gifts of your spirit to, to flow in. We're going to talk about that in two weeks, what it looks like when the Holy Spirit gets involved in our lives. On, hey. It's good, you know. We're going to look at that here in a couple weeks. But that just that idea of God, wherever I am, I just want to be that one that engages you in such a way that your hope in me can be a hope that is dispensed into other people's lives. And so one of the ways we're going to do that as a church, on Easter Sunday, we announced a big announcement last week that we're doing Easter in Woodstock, right, at the amphitheater. So if you missed it last week, how many was here for Easter last year? Make some noise. All right. So last year we had four services here on campus for Easter. This year, one big giant service at 1030 
at the new Woodstock Amphitheater. Amen? That's awesome. It gets gooder. You ready for this? All right. We had the opportunity a few months ago as we were talking to some friends um, that are a part of a large media group, the Salem Media Group here in, in the Atlanta area around the country. And we had an opportunity to say, hey, what would it look like for you guys to be a part of what we're doing at the concert or down there at the, 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 the amphitheater? What would it look like for you guys to be a part of it? And they got excited about it. And so guess what? The fish is helping to be a partner with this event. Amen? So what does that mean? No, 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 we're not doing a live broadcast, you know, you're not going to have me preaching on the fish, all right? I think, I think there'll be an interview that we're doing on the, the talk radio side of it at some point in the next month. But starting tomorrow, you'll be hearing often throughout the day, I don't know how many times, a whole bunch, you'll be hearing all about Easter in Woodstock with Woodstock Church, in, or I'm sorry, with Woodstock, in City of Woodstock with Momentum Church. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. Only God can do that. Can I let you know a secret? Tens of thousands of dollars in advertising. Zero. And what did Jesus say to us back in September and really pushed hard on us as we came into January? 2017 would be a year of acceleration. Amen. That's acceleration. That, that's not something we could do on our own, you know. And so we're preparing for big things. Now, here's the thing you need to know from the start. There's a few ways that we're going to be ish habinayims to those that are going to be a part of this Easter season. You know, it's a season of Lent leading up to. And rather than taking away during this Lent, I want you to add to your life during this Lent. So I want you to add prayer. Please specifically pray now, even fast, for people specifically that you're going to invite to come to Easter Sunday, all right? Well, you do that by name. There's something powerful about that. Don't you think the devil knows their names? So it's powerful to speak and declare their name in the name of Jesus. God, help me to connect with this person, you know? And so begin to pray for them by name. Take some time to fast. Your, your staff, I don't know if you realize this, we have days of the week. Every day of the week is covered by staff members fasting and praying for this church, you know? Take some days to join us in fasting and seeking God for what he's going to do. And so add that. Add prayer. Number two, add invite. Get ready to invite as many people as you possibly can. We cannot rely on the fish's advertising to get people there. Do you know why? Because the fish reaches Christians. Come on, somebody. Okay? We'll probably get a few hundred people coming for the event because of the fish. It won't, it's not going to fill that stadium. We know that, you know? It's just a neat, neat thing to get the word out. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the people we want there are the people who need the gospel message. Amen? Those who are lost. And so I'm praying those that come because of the fish will say, you know, mate, I got a neighbor that would never go to a church service, but they may come to this and bring that lost friend. And I'm trusting the momentum folk, you guys will go like crazy inviting people. And so invite people to come um, on Easter Sunday. Next thing, plan to serve on Easter Sunday. It, we're just going to be a guest service, ridiculous, inspiring mob of Jesus people. I'm serious. On, on Easter Sunday, I mean, because... We're not, it's just going to be just reaching out and loving on people all over the downtown area. So we'll talk more about that as weeks progress. We've got some other neat ideas we're going to unfold next week for you. And so um, plan to serve. And then finally, if we're going to be Isha Benayim's, financially, this is not in the budget. This wasn't something we had planned to do. We, we thought it would be a great opportunity, but we knew financially it wasn't in the budget. 
And so financially, we need to raise some funds. And so last week we told you, next Sunday will be an Easter offering that we're doing. We did this when our church was about 150 people, and we raised $6,000 that day. We went out and did an event, and they said between eight and 10,000 people were there. It was crazy. Dozens and dozens of guests. There's people here today that are still here because they came to that Easter event that we did that so many years ago. And so your finances sewed in. We're trying to raise $10,000. And I've told you before, we don't push on offerings around here. I announced it last week. We'll announce it this week. And next week, we'll have $10,000. Amen? <laughs> or more. Amen. And what's beautiful, I'll tell you right now, last week, already $1,800 came in. Come on. Two offerings, $18,000. Not, did I say $18,000? I said $1,800. I'm believing for $18,000. That's what it was. Yeah. All right. I need you to open your Bibles, too. We've got to get into this today. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. And as you're turning there, let me ask you this question. Is there really anything more elementary? Because we're talking about elements. Is there really anything more elementary in life than breathing? Is there? I mean, just think about it. I mean, it's the first thing you do, you know. You may not be doing it real well at first. They hit your little naked butt and, wow, and then you're breathing, you know. It's the first thing you do. It's the last thing. And then mama's with Jesus. Daddy's with Jesus, you know. It's the last thing that you do. And so when it comes down to it, I want to talk about kind of that throughout this, this month. Because listen, our success, we were talking about that idea of God doing a work in us and through us. Let me, let me broaden that. Our success is accomplished when we receive, everybody breathe in. Yeah, when we receive what God has for us, and now everybody breathe out. And we release what God wants to do through us. Does that make sense? Let's do that one more time. Just breathe in. And breathe out. Did I do that good, Christine? Our, our, our yoga teacher, was that good? I, I, I want to go to her yoga class someday and just like, 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 just make noises. I don't know why. Just, you know, people be like, who is that? It's, it's my pastor. Just do it one more time. Breathe in and breathe out. And so our success as a Christ follower, really, it's, it's all about what we're receiving from God and what he has for us and walking in that. And then you can't just keep inhaling. I love this. We were talking about this idea, and, and Pastor Corey had such a great idea. He's like, you know, the Bible says love is not puffed up. Is that good? I know that means haughtiness, but I still, I love it when he said it. Because I could just see, I'm just receiving. I'm getting all I can get. Oh, my word. You can't do nothing like that. That's not living, you know. It's just, that's not love, just to be puffed up, right? There comes a point where you've got to release. And so God wants you to receive and release what he's doing in your life into the lives of others. So we as a church, that's what we want to do. We want to position ourselves, this, especially this next five to eight weeks, to position ourselves for an outpouring of God's presence, his power, and his provision in our lives to us and through us. Amen? You saw in that video clip an old-fashioned style of bellows, you know? That bellow, it, it, it receives and it gives. It receives and it gives. And as that does, guess what happens to that fire? That fire gets amped up. Things get, they get lit. They get exciting. They get, they get powerful. They get, they get hot enough that things can be made. They get hot enough that things can be created. 
And I believe God wants to create healing in marriages. I believe God wants to create miracles in bodies. I believe God wants to create new souls for the kingdom. Amen? But his church needs to be able to receive and give as he leads us. Amen? And so that, that's what we're looking at today. And so if we're going to be ish habinayims, if we're going to be those who stand in the gap for the glory of God and for the good of others, then we need to know what the elements of that look like. Because we want to take our place with God and we want to take our place with man. We need to know what the elements of that look like if we're going to have that receiving and that giving that God desires for us as a church and as, as people, as individuals. You know, let me, let me go back to that. You got people over here. Right? I'm not sure why my voice just squeaked. Sound like Grant, you know. <laughs> I love it. My boy's turned into a man. It's freaking me out. He turned 15 this week. And he, I mean, he's taller than, he's, he was so little for so long, you know. And he's, he's taller than I was at his age now, you know, because I was like four foot two or something like that. I was until I was like 20 years old. I, I, was, so, I was so short. So, um, and four foot two was actually wide. And then it was, and it was. No, <laughs> that's wrong. It's not funny. All right. So you got God, and you got the church, and you have over here, you got people. And, and the thing about it, what the church will do sometimes is we lean toward God, and that's where our focus is, and that's a beautiful thing. And all we do is just focus on God. I'm just trying to grow in Jesus, just trying to just be all that God wants me to be, you know. But there's a world out there. I know, and they're scared. Not as scary as your hypocrisy. Oh, okay. So, that was good. So, so you got God over here. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to call this contentment. You're just content. I'm just content in how I'm growing. I'm content. Or maybe I'm content in how I'm not growing, you know, but I'm just content. I know, I know I'm a believer. It's me and Jesus, and we have our own thing going, you know, and, and, and this is just, you know, I'm content. It's not going to change a world. Amen? Now, on the other extreme, over here, so you got contentment over there. On this side, you have compromise. You know? I don't care if the Lord's doing a work in my life or not. I love the world so much that I'm just embracing it without any desire for God to do an elementary change in me, a work in me, a, a, a work where he's blowing his fire into my life and it's burning stuff out that I don't even want burnt out, but I can't become the strong sword in the hand of the Lord that he wants if I walk in that compromise. Does that make sense? And so on this side, you have compromise. And the Lord, I believe, as a church, and I think that's what's been beautiful about momentum for so many years, is the Lord's given us the wisdom to walk in both, you know? That, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're not vain striving. Like, we can never live up to the things of God. We're, we're so imperfect. No, no, that's legalism, amen? I'm all kinds of something in Jesus. And so are you, right? Right? So when it comes down to it, no, no. But on the other side, God, I'm growing. Develop me. I'm not going to be satisfied there. Why? Because I need something from you that's real and tangible for a lost world to walk in. And so there's this, there's this balance, but here's the problem. Folk don't like balance. They want to run to a place that's either legalistic, you know, because it's easy to run with rules. I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, and now I'm good. No. You're just really good at lists, you know. There's no life to that list. Or on the other side, eh, it doesn't matter. We're just no caution to the wind. Jesus loves me. It doesn't matter. I just live how I please. It doesn't matter. No, because that doesn't change anybody. 
And so what we're looking at over the next four weeks is some elementary things that God does in us, and then he uses us to help others walk in that. God has always looked for a person to stand in the gap so that the history of people's lives, that story of history, could become stories of hope. He's always looked for that. In the Old Testament, you see him with his prophet Moses, who didn't feel much like a prophet. You know, he had ran and ran, and then one day, God's speaking. He can't run any longer, and he's going to go and help deliver a nation that had been in bondage for 400 years. Guys, listen, I want to be a people like that. I want a people, I want that. I want, I, I want to be that people. I want to help us strip down faith to its bare elements so that we can know what we need to receive and release to be in the flow of God's best. That's what I want to do over the next few weeks. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Let's stand to our feet as we read this passage. We're going to honor God's word today just by standing to our feet. Matthew 26, go down to verse 17. And this is the story when Jesus and his disciples were going to celebrate Passover. So it's real apropos for us to be walking through this passage. Literally, everything we deal with this month is leading up to Easter, okay? And it's very appropriate because it's linking back to our Judeo-Christian roots, our Judeo roots. It's going to be really a neat, neat month. So now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? Remember the Last Supper? You remember that? That picture, right? That's what we're talking about here, okay? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they went and prepared the Passover. Now it talks a little bit about Judas. Let's jump down to verse 26 as we get into the actual meal. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after bread, after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is the blood of the covenant. We're going to come back to this idea of covenant here in a few minutes. All right, let's pray. Jesus, over the remainder of this teaching, this, this time together, would you be seen evident, God? Would you be seen clearly that you've had an ancient plan that you invite us into? How powerful, how beautiful, God. And we're not going to let up, God. We're, we're going to find our place in your ancient plan. And as Moses brought a people forth, God, there's people you're going to use us to bring forth. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in us and through us in your name. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. So what is Passover? What is that? We call it Easter is what we call it, but, but the real season was Passover. It was, was a celebration, a feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread that, that ended with the idea of Passover. It was a feast that looked back to the deliverance of the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. The children of Israel, they were slaves to Egypt for 400 years, and at the time of this um, deliverance, they are just neck deep making brick out of mud and straw. And it had gotten to a point where they weren't even given hardly enough straw to make the job even easier. It was very, very difficult for them. And so God speaks to Moses and tells him to go to Pharaoh and to say, let my people go. You guys remember this? Okay. And so he goes and tells them, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. And so they begin to have a series of plagues, ten plagues, each plague that is actually just like going Forget you, God of Egypt. I love it. Every single plague, it was just kind of a, a, a God, 
I don't even know how to say it. Well, it was just kind of like, it was just kind of like Egypt. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I just want to say it. Can I just say it? E- Egypt, your gods suck. <laughs> and that's just kind of how it was, you know. So every, uh, every, keep reading. I don't want to lose, lose people, okay. <laughs> so every single um, plague just attacked the gods of the Egyptians. And it finally gets to the last plague, which is going to be where the death angel is going to go into the homes. And when this happens, the firstborn of those homes, that son, is going to die. And God tells Moses to tell people to take blood of a lamb and to put it on the doorpost. And so when the death angel would see that blood over that post, it would pass over, say pass over, that house, and death wouldn't come to that house. And so all those that were living there, uh, they, they, they did that to their doorposts, all the Jews, and the death angel passed, and then that was the final last straw for Pharaoh, and he, get out of here. Take your stuff. I mean, I love it too, because he was like, they even gave him stuff to go, you know. They didn't even leave broke. It was awesome, you know. So that's, that's what's going on here. So Passover is a time when a Jewish person is to remember what God did for them. It's the time of remembrance and what happens every year since they came out. I mean, this is an ancient practice. What happens is every year the family would gather or some friends of the family would gather together and they would have a meal that would commemorate and remember that deliverance. Isn't that awesome? And um, I, I, I mean, better than Thanksgiving, you know? It's amazing what the Lord had, had instituted for them to be able to remember. And so there are some things within Passover meal that point to key elements to what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives, all right? And that's what we're going to be looking at here, some of these things. Um, you are a part of an ancient plan that God has had to move people from where they are to where he desires for them to be. From that place of bondage to that place of promise, from that place of lack to that place of fullness. That's God's plan as we kind of make it a little bit more modern. From that place of someone being disconnected from God to being someone who is purposeful in their growth in Christ, seeing his work in their lives and that passion pouring out of them to make a difference and an impact in other people's lives. That, that, that's kind of what God is doing. I'm going to show you here in a few moments these four cups. We're going to look at them real quick today. So as the people of God, we are moving forward in our journey of faith. And over the next four weeks, I want to paint a picture of those elements that it takes for us personally to connect with God and move forward. And then how those elements God uses in our lives to touch other people's lives. Amen. How many know that church is more than a Sunday morning experience? Amen. Hey. It's more. It, it just definitely is. And I want to thank for a moment all our teams that make Sunday morning awesome. we got great teams. Can you give our teams thanks? Our worship team, awesome. Amen. Tech, you guys are ridiculous how you do all that you do. You know, behind the scenes, all that happens. Our children's ministry, our guest services, parking lot crew. It's just everybody. <laughs> Can somebody say coffee? Hallelujah. The coffee team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so all the teams, it's awesome. But that's not just what church is about, is coming here and having a great day, you know. After this series, you will never wonder what God's purpose is when it comes to you being a Christ follower and being a part of a church, okay? You just won't ever wonder what it is. We're going to paint the picture clear about what it really, really means. And so we say around here that we help people journey forward through life with God purpose and friends. That's our mission, that we help people go forward, say forward. And we'll, we'll say every week that as you leave, we're with you 
on the journey. You hear us say that, right? Right? We're with you on the journey because we're wanting to see you move forward. But, but what does that look like? What does that look like to move forward? God brought his people out of Egypt, but didn't they get stuck a little for about 40 years? They got stuck in a place of bondage that, in that place that God had all the things for them, but they were separate from the promise. They, they didn't get there. And I think a lot of times as Christ followers, we see Sunday morning experience or or maybe I prayed a prayer when I was a kid, and I got saved, and I know I'm saved. I just have no real desire to live that out, you know. Man, you're missing the best of it. You're missing what it's all about. And so during the next four weeks, I believe God's going to use us to help us really get a good picture, you know. Because a lot of times we get stuck when we fail to understand and live out the basic elements of our faith. We just... We just get stuck. You've seen ball players get stuck on the ball field, and the coach will get them aside and just, man, you got to get back to the basics, dude. What in the world? I, I don't need you doing, ah, uh, no. No alley-oops, you know, no. Just back to the basics. You're stuck. And they get back to the basics. Next thing you know, you start to see the game turn. You start to see the wind start to get in sight. I just want to paint a picture of what the wind looks like, you know, for us over the next few weeks and give us some of those elements of our faith so that we're not stuck because we don't have a clear picture of what it looks like to successfully live out our faith. I mean, let me say it. I said it earlier. I'll say it one more time. Our success is accomplished when we move from where we are to where God wants us to be and we take others with us on that journey. That's, that's when our success is accomplished, all right? And so that's always been God's plan. And God gave Moses instructions to remember the time of deliverance from Egypt through the Feast of Passover. He gave him these instructions. And so this feast is what Jesus is celebrating the night that he's with his friends. So it's one of the last things that he's doing. To me, if it's one of the last things he's doing, it's really important. I don't think it was just important to him as a Jew. I think it was important to him as a prophet, if you will, as one that is setting things in order for a people to go change a world. I think it was very important as he was striking the new covenant with them in regards to what God was about to do. And so for Jewish people, they call that meal at Passover time, it's called a Seder. Say Seder. And so Jesus is having Seder with his, his friends. And it's something that he had done since he was a boy. It's something that the nation had done for a couple thousand years. And so now here's an opportunity for um, them to do this. But every year there's an opportunity during Passover to take time to remember these four element type, elementary type things, all right? And so during the Passover meal, there are four cups of wine that are actually received. There's a fifth cup. We don't need to talk about that today. But there's four cups of wine that are taken throughout the meal. Now, some of y'all are like, praise God. No, kidding. So, <laughs> but there's four cups of wine, all right? And the four cups represent four elements of deliverance or four elements of God's progression in our life, how he's moving us toward his promises and to all that he has. For, for them, it was the four things that God wanted to do in the nation of Israel. For us, there's some spiritual quality to it that we'll see today in, in just a little, little thumbnail sketch. But over the next four weeks, we're going to dig deep into these things, okay? So the four cups symbolize what it is to be our journey of faith. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to read from 2 to verse 8. Exodus chapter 6. Let's go to verse 2. It says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant. Say covenant. 
with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. I'm going to stop there at verse, at verse 5. It starts off, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And this name, this idea of Lord, this almighty God, this is a name that they haven't known him by. And, and it's a beautiful thing. It's the same name that, that, in essence, when he said, I am that I am, that's who is sending you. Who should I tell them that I'm sending, is sending me? The I am that I am. And, and, and then now he gives them this personal like way of saying it. And, and we would say in our, our vernacular, Adonai, or we say Lord, okay? But what's beautiful about it, he's saying this, because the name I am that I am has sent you isn't something that the Jewish people will, will they, they don't want to say it in a sense. It's such a special thing, this idea of this covenant God. What covenant God? The God that put the breath that you have in your lungs, that God, amen? Amen. That God, the God that created everything. If God created everything, he can do all things. When he makes a promise, guess what he can do? Fulfill that promise. Amen. That's a good God. That's the God we're talking about here. And so that God. And so the idea here, God formed man out of dirt from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. In Jewish um, culture and the idea of, of rabbis, they'll talk about this idea of this breath of of God, And here's what's really beautiful, all right? The, the, we're going to put it on, on the screen. When it comes down to I am the Lord, this idea of we say, we added vowels to it because we want to be able to say it, okay? It was something that couldn't really be, hardly be articulated, but we want to be able to say it. And so we add the vowels that make us say Yahweh. You've heard Yahweh before, right? Or Jehovah is another way of saying that, Jehovah or Yahweh. But the Jewish people, that would be called the Tetragrammaton. That's a word, tetragrammaton. And all it means is that this, this four-letter way of saying the name of God is so special that we almost don't even say it. So we'll say Adonai. We'll say Lord. We'll know him as Lord. Or we'll say there's other words, Elohim. Or we'll say, but boy, this, 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 the tetragrammaton, that, 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 that name of God that is so holy that we won't even articulate it. For us, it's Y-H-W-H, all right? No vowels. We would say Yahweh, but it's just Y-H-W-H. And in Hebrew, those are the four letters, Yah, Hey, Va, Hey. This is going to get good. Everybody says this is going to get good, all right? So non-Hebrew speakers, we added the vowels, so Yahweh or Jehovah, okay? But Hebrew speakers, it was Yah, Hey, Va, Hey. And in Jewish culture, the thought was this, that literally the breath that's in your lungs, everything you are, everything you have speaks the name of God. You can't, you can't breathe without declaring the goodness of the Lord. It just, and, and, the, and those letters, they're, they're formed in such a way that they're very, they're, they're breathy letters. Does that make sense? That it's just it's that, 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 that breath of God. I'm supposed to go tell these people who is sending me, and God says, tell them, the, 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 tell them that I am is sending you. The, the Yahweh, Vahweh is sending you. I want you all to say that. Say, Yahweh, Vahweh. You all say it together. Ready? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, 
first thing you do as a child coming into the earth is what? You breathe. The last thing you do as a person leaving the earth, you breathe. Breath of God. First thing that baby says coming into the earth, the name of the Lord. The last thing a person says leaving this earth, the name of the Lord. Amen? Isn't that a powerful, beautiful thought? It'll make you think about breathing different for the rest of your life. This idea of receiving and releasing. It's always been the idea of the Lord. Amen? God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living being. I love it, too. Within the breath of God, there was no death. Within the breath of God, there was no cancer. Within the breath of God, there was no disease. Within the breath of God, there was no poverty. Within the breath of God, there was no sin and and bondage that keeps people putting needles in their arm and dying on a basement floor. Within the breath of God, it says there was life. But Satan came, and he stole with sin. He robbed with sin. All that God wants people to walk in. Amen? And sin entered, and then death, the Bible says, entered. Then separation entered. And next week, we're going to talk about that first cup. And you'll see here in a moment. We're going to lay them out real fast. But next week, we'll get into it. But that breath of God. You know what's beautiful? You're sitting at a table with an atheist, and the atheist says, there is no God. And as he's saying it, you can hear in your ears, Yahweh, ha Come on, somebody. You, you can tell, you can say there is no God, but the breath coming out your mouth tells me there is. That's Yahweh. That's Jehovah. That's Adonai. That's Elohim. That's, that's the God of the covenant. When he makes a promise, he will fulfill that promise. So in Exodus chapter 6 through 8, we start to see these cups unfold. Look down here at verse 6, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. That's the plan. Did you miss it? Maybe. And I get that. Because for years, the church has missed this. That's one thing that's beautiful about looking at some of our Jewish roots is that sometimes they really can add to the benefit of us understanding what we're walking in, you know? And so when you see this, the four cups of the Passover meal, God instituted for them, they did in this Passover, they remind you of the four I wills that we just saw in this passage of Scripture. The four I wills of God's plan for his people. And the first one is this. I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. In other words, the first cup is called the cup of salvation. The cup of salvation. God brings you into a place where he takes you for his own. He saves you and he brings you out of the bondage of the Egyptians. The place of bondage. He delivers you, or rather he he saves you. So that's the cup of salvation. We're going to look at that cup in depth next week and what it means for us and through us. The second cup that you see is the cup of deliverance. The cup of deliverance. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. I love how in the next passage it says, with an outstretched arm, there's strength and power in the name of God to bring deliverance to our lives. And so it's this idea that I have saved you from the bondage of Egypt, but now I want to get the bondage of Egypt out of you. I get you from it, 
but now I want to get out of you. Does that make sense? Don't wait to get clean enough to get saved. You never will. But once you are saved, let God clean you up. We say here all the time, we are a come-as-you-are type of a church. We're just not a stay-as-you-came type of a church. God wants us to grow and to develop, and, and he's patient with us. And everybody grows at different levels. That's why we're not going to be hypocritical and judge each other. Amen? All right, so the cup of deliverance. The next one is the cup of redemption. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great acts of judgment. I will redeem you. In other words, I will take you to be my own. I look at you and I put value in you and I want all of you. I will redeem you. Not I will redeem your spirit, I'll redeem your heart, or I'll redeem your mind. No, no, I will redeem you. But my mind is messed up. I know I'm coming for it. <laughs> but my heart is messed up. I know and I'm going to heal it. You know. But my body has issues. I know, but I have redeemed you. All, all of you. I value you and I've redeemed you. And then finally, the cup of fulfillment. Um, the, 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 the Jew would say the cup of Hallel, which means praise. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And the idea of the cup of Hallel is that you will walk as God's people in such a way that you will live for the glory of God and for the good of others. And in doing so, you walk in fulfillment and he receives the praise. God wants you fulfilled. And as you walk in that fulfillment that he has for you, he receives glory. He receives honor. He receives praise. And that, and finally, that's the cup of fulfillment or the cup of Hillel. And so finally, I'm going to close with this. Exodus 6, verse 9. Here's what's so sad. One of the saddest passages in all the Bible. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. I mean, he said to them, you're going to be a people that God's going to save and deliver and redeem and use. And it says this. But they did not listen to Moses. Why? Because they're bad people? They didn't listen to Moses. Why? Because they're just a bunch of losers? No, they didn't listen to Moses because of their burdened spirit, their broken spirit, their harsh slavery. They've been through so much. I feel as if it was like, can we even expect more? And so I believe as I said this today, there were some of you that when you heard this, the four things... All you could think of was, oh no, not more. I can't live up to it now. And now the preacher's going to put four things on me? I, I just, listen, those Israelites, they were supposed to make bricks with mud and straw. And toward the end there, they took a lot of the straw away. That was the labor of their hands and the work of their, their physical body. God's not going to take the straw away. He's going to give everything you need for godliness and to move in the power that he has for you. So don't be burdened by the thought of these four things. Look at it as keys. God, what are you going to show me in this that will change me and that you can use in my life to change others? Amen? God has a way of building things even without brick and straw, just by faith. And he's going to use you to build great things in your life and through your life. So it's, it's time for us to leave our bricks and slave masters and to lead a movement that helps others do the same. It's time for us to embrace our story of hope and to help others find their story of hope. I just feel in order to do that, we need to understand the elements that will make that possible. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to take time to really, really dive into these four cups. There was something ancient that God spoke over his people years ago, and I believe he's still speaking it over his people today. Amen? You guys ready to go with us on this journey? It's going to be awesome. All right, Jesus, over the next four weeks, help us to embrace what you're speaking to our hearts, to be changed by it, Lord, and to be inspired to change the world because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. 
For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.